Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. And uh, if you've been here in the month of June, you've been hearing Peter preach on some themes through uh, about community through the book of John. And uh, one of those themes that he's been talking about had to do with the fact that we all have wounds. And when we have a wound, you know, wounds tend to bleed. And when there's, when there's bleeding from a wound, it tends to draw out something else in another person. If I were uh, standing up here and slipped and fell and conked my head on the rail, it would probably draw out from Jolene Miller <laughs> love to come forward and from Barry to come and make sure I was okay. And the thing is, when we hide our wounds, when we don't want people to know about our wounds, then I think we rob people of the chance to, to love us in the middle of that wounding time. And so my prayer is for our community to become a community that will share those wounds, that we bleed together and that we suffer together and that we come together to see God's redemption. Um, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 12:26 that says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Reminds me of that verse in Proverbs that says, we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Y'all hear that? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I don't know, is there something I need to do up here? Okay, maybe it's the Holy Spirit hovering. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking about community and, you know, like what draws a community together? And if you think about it, I think these two things is really what draws a community together and it's suffering together and it's celebrating together. If you think about what draws your family together, what draws uh, co-workers together in a workplace, it's sometimes going through those times when you suffer together, when someone's in crisis and it brings people together. And then the times when you get to celebrate uh, weddings and reunions and different things like that and we come together to celebrate. A simple illustration of this is like when you're watching a, your favorite sports team, if you're watching the Rockies, I want you to tell me which is a greater celebration. If you go to a Rockies game and they're winning in their head and you're happy and you're celebrating and they kind of got the game in the bag the whole time. So yeah, you celebrate, that's great. But what if over here you go to a Rockies game and they're like really behind and making a lot of mistakes and failures and they're just really struggling and the morale is low, but in the ninth inning, they come back and they win the game. Is that not a greater celebration where everybody is hooting and hollering and celebrating together? So I think that suffering intensifies celebration. And sometimes the longer you have to wait in that suffering time makes the celebration that much sweeter and that much greater when you come together. Well, uh, Peter's been talking about community and today we're gonna do some community. And I'm going to be having a couple of women come up here. And uh, in fact, you guys can probably start going ahead and making your way forward. And I'm going to interview them because I want you to hear their stories. And there's a reason why I have them both sharing in the same day. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards because I want you to hear their stories. And I think it kind of encompasses the kind of stories that we all are going through in our living as well. You know, the Bible is 70% story. So we have all these stories through scripture, sometimes a fragment of a story, sometimes we get a whole lot of history with a story, and they're all mirrors of the gospel. Your stories, all of your stories out there mirror something of the gospel that speak of death and resurrection, death and resurrection. 
dying to self and a new life in you being raised up. So, come on up here. And I'll introduce these two beautiful women to you. This is Charlene Clay, and Mark's going to say a little bit more in introducing her in a second. And uh, this is Ricky Compost. Used to be fast, and she got married to that guy right there. And um, I always like sharing that Christian and Ricky came to the sanctuary through an ad in the Onion newspaper, and they weren't sure if it was a joke or if it was serious, so they had to come and check it out. So, Charlene, why don't you go have a seat there, and Ricky have a seat, and Mark... I'm going to use that one, but Mark, you wanted to say just a, a word about your mom here. Let me get, hand you a microphone. Um, we were going to, or should we, let's wait till after the video. You want to do that? Okay, let's go ahead and, sh we're going to show you a video first, and we're going to start with Charlene sharing, then we're going to go to Ricky, but watch this video first. Tonight, police are asking for the public's help in finding a man who shot a 72-year-old Lakewood woman in the face. Happened Saturday in the woman's home on Ammon Street. Police believe the man was trying to rob her when she was shot, but amazingly, that woman survived. Mark Clay grew up on this block. My grandfather actually built much of the subdivision. His 72-year-old mother, Charlene, still lives here and manages their rental apartments just a few doors down, which is why Mark believes she was robbed and shot. Suspect Melvin Nelson came to his mother's home Friday asking about a rental. She let him in to, to talk to him, and it appears that uh, his motives were to to rob her. I think he assumed that she kept cash on hand. Saturday, Charlene was shot and robbed, left for dead. But far from death, she was able to tell police to look for Nelson. He demanded money, apparently, and she said no, and he shot her in the face three or four times. Mark says his mom is a fighter, spirited. A one through the mouth, uh, through the jaw. Another bullet entered right about here on her, on her cheek, and uh, that bullet seems to be lodged in her neck. And then there was another one uh, up near the side of her head, uh, about right here. Charlene's purse was taken. The house is now secured with its storm shutters because a key was in that purse. Charlene's 96-year-old mother, who lives here with her, found her shot, but couldn't see well enough to dial 911. So my mom actually dialed 911. Marvin Nelson left his real name and number with Charlene when he was asking about renting an apartment. She survived the shooting, she gave this information to police, and they now say he's wanted for attempted murder and robbery. Just want mom to come back and make a full recovery as soon as she can. Okay, some of you may recognize Mark because he's often playing in the band, right back here playing guitar behind the cross, but Mark, you wanted to kind of introduce your mom with a few words. Yeah, um, I just wanted to, are we on? Yeah, okay, I just wanted to, uh, to thank the body. Um, I don't know uh, if some of you were here. It was the weekend after Easter that uh, that I prayed and you know said uh, thank God and for uh, not taking mom yet. But uh, I tell you this, it's been an interesting journey for for our family, for everybody, and and uh, wanted to thank everybody for the prayers that you've been uh, sending our way this entire time. Uh, apparently, it was not her time to go. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It um, mm. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If it's, if it's not your time, it's not your time. So. Okay. Thanks. Would you take that one? So, Charlene, um, I would love for you to share with the body a little bit more about what you were thinking and what you were feeling when that man came to your door that day. When... Um, 
just before I opened the door, he called me on the phone and told me, I am coming to give you a deposit for an apartment. And I said, no, no, I don't want you to do that because I wasn't going to rent to him. He was a very pushy guy. And um, I didn't feel any apprehension. Um, I wasn't, you know, really concerned um, about letting him in, and I did. Because um, when he says, I'm here now, so I went to the door and let him in. Um, when he came in, he didn't look anything like the mugshot that they asked me to see if that was the man or not. The two didn't come together. And um, he had his hair all combed and down over his forehead. And, and um, I had him sit down in the dining room chair. And um, when I looked up, he had a gun pointed at me, just a little gun. And I thought it was maybe a 22, ended up being a 25. And um, I just said, oh, no, no way. And I got up and I said, I'm going to call the police. If I hadn't have said that, he might not have followed me so closely. But he did. He followed me out to the kitchen where the phone was. And um, I had dialed 911, and I put the receiver down on the countertop. I still wasn't afraid. He came to the kitchen. The gun is still pointed at me, and I'm still okay. Um, one of the things that had happened while we were in the dining room is I saw a second man sitting in the chair next to this man. And he was grinning at me. And I had total peace. Um, normally, if I sense there's evil, I will take authority over it. That never occurred to me. Never came to me to do that. And um, he came to the kitchen, and I was kind of looking to see if that other person came to the kitchen, too. But I didn't see him in the kitchen. Um, the man grabbed the receiver, and I grabbed it back. I told him, no, that wasn't his, and I laid it back down on the countertop. So... Um, there was still a lot of fight in me. I, um, I'm, I'm very secure in Jesus. And because I'm so secure, there isn't anyone that I'm concerned about or afraid of. And um, I just, you know, was going to take him on. It didn't make any difference if he had the gun or not. The next thing I knew is I got shot in the mouth. And um, it felt like a sledgehammer hit my jaw. And I said, oh my God, I've been shot in the mouth. It split my tongue, split my lip, 
took out my teeth and I was spitting out teeth and fragments of teeth. And I don't remember the second shot or the third shot. I have no recollection. I'm praying now and asking God to give me that recollection. Um, I, you know, would like to know. And um, apparently, at least that third shot put me down on the floor. And that's when my mom found me. And um, she tried to call 911, and she couldn't. And about that time, the phone rang, and they wanted to know if someone had called from that number. And she said, well, I don't know. But uh, we need help, and we need help now. My daughter's on the floor and bleeding, and um, so 911 sent the paramedics. <clears throat> they thought it was just a fall and getting hurt kind of call. So they asked me to um, apparently walk out to the ambulance. And um, I got up, and I walked over to their gurney and sat down. <laughs> I was far from the ambulance. And so they decided at that point maybe they better put me on the gurney and take me out. And um, so um, the thing that I want to express is that what can man do? The scripture says, what can man do to you? And um, we're not to be concerned about man. We're to be concerned about God. And it's all about God. And he and I have a very good relationship. And I stress that to people. If you don't get one, um, it's important. And um, I had so committed myself to him and asked him, God, how can my life bring glory to you? And never did I dream it would be this way. And um, when I was in the hospital, he began to talk to me. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how is this going to be used, God? And what he impressed upon me was that I was to go to gunshot victims and hold their hand and share Jesus with them and, um, and with the families to let them know how terribly important it is for someone that's hurting that bad to have them talk in love to them. My sons did that, all four of them, in my ear every day. And not only could I not hear, just hear the love, I felt it. And it encouraged me so much to fight. And my one son's a paramedic, and he kept me informed of what was going to happen with me. And uh, I appreciated that very much, because I could just submit to it and give in to it. And I did. Uh, except when they put a tube over my ear, 
um, because I, they wanted me to have the oxygen, I'd jerk it off because it hurt. And they said, tie her hands. <laughs> so they did, they tied my hands. Um, but the, the main thing is, is that um, when you love Jesus and you know how he says he's with you, he is with you. And those bullets could have done so much damage to me. But the Holy Spirit in me guided every one of them. It fractured a couple of the sinuses in my left cheek. And it fractured a vertebrae, the very top one. And um, I have fragments left there. And one bullet is sitting right at the base of my tongue with fragments there too. And they don't want to operate on them, uh, do more damage than it would help. So I'm just living with that. I still have a couple of issues that I deal with every day. And that's the nerves on this side of my face. The one bullet came out my ear. And um, I was conscious when they said, oh, that's a bullet right there. And it had split the earlobe from the face. And um, uh, that, you know, that was fine and good news and stuff, but affected the nerves on that side. And since I've been home, the nerves in my left thigh have been really, really um, screaming at me. And um, I, I keep praying that God's going to finish this healing, take it all away from me. But I don't know if he is. I don't know if this is something I'm going to live with or if this is something I'm going to get over. Um, Charlene, if I, yeah. can, if I can jump in here a minute, um, and I love what you said about, you know, some of your suffering has led you to a new calling, yes. which is to reach out to other victims who have been shot by a gunshot wound. Yes. And, um, and it is amazing how God really does sometimes give a supernatural peace in the middle of a situation that should be just completely turning your life upside down. Um, I'd be curious to know, how, did you, how do you deal with issues of forgiveness related to this man uh, who was doing such a horrible thing to you? Well, I really felt, when they told me, when the detectives told me that before they could get to him, they had surrounded where he was, he shot himself and killed himself. And I felt really sad because I have no opportunity to tell him I forgive him. And, um, you know, tell him about Jesus. I don't know what his life was. I know he had a rap sheet a mile long, but that doesn't mean he didn't have come from a really bad life. And um, I feel that I've been cheated out of sharing Jesus with him. Um, not that that would have done anything, but at least I could have shared it with him. I do forgive him. There's nothing... There's nothing to 
be angry about. There's nothing to be um, upset over. It's not fun what I've been going through. Uh, it's been a lot. And, um, and everybody is amazed at how I came through. And I tell them, only reason I came through the way I did is because of Jesus. No other reason. He's the total source. And I give him all praise and glory for it. Amen is right, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then, Charlene, I know there's one thing you wanted to say directly to this body, too, before we go oh, on to Ricky. Yes, I do. I want to thank each and every one of you that's carried the burden to pray for me. I am the results of those prayers. Thank and, you. you know, other? just thank you so much. Yeah. You know, you get your S News and you have that little section down here that says prayer requests, and it's just that little one line. And we have no idea the kind of story that's behind that one line. And so we're, we're grateful that we get a chance to help connect our body of, oh, that's the person that I prayed for. So I just want to say thank you, Charlene, for sharing that story with us. And um, I've got Ricky Compost here, too, and I want her to share in just a moment. Um, Charlene has a wonderful story of redemption and healing and just she is a walking miracle like, and she's just got an amazing faith and amazing heart and yet I know that you know a lot of you do have miraculous stories like that out there but a lot of you like me too have stories that don't have a pretty bow on the end of it or you're still walking in the middle of it and it's still really painful and really hard and maybe you already know this side of heaven that your story isn't going to be healed. And so you're having to sit with that. And um, so I've asked Ricky to come and share a piece of her story too. And um, I've just had the joy of getting to know Christian and Ricky both and knew them when they were still single. And that's, that's been a joy for me. But she's been walking some painful things as well. And I want her to share a bit of her story. So go ahead and start. Okay. Um, the story is actually about my younger sister, Abby. Um, she was born when I was almost eight years old. She was born happy and healthy, and um, when she was about a year and a half, she was diagnosed with Wilms tumor, which is a form of cancer that affects young children, and um, the uh, tumor was removed, and um, she went through radiation and chemo treatment, and uh, she was healed from that, and they checked her for seven years, and she was cancer-free, and um, then about a year ago, she started complaining about some pain in her back. Um, and in November, they finally got it looked at and found that it was a tumor and that um, she did uh, have cancer and they're almost positive it was caused from the radiation from her first cancer round of treatments. And um, the diagnosis was not good. It was, um, they had cured that cancer before, but it's very aggressive and very hard. Um, and they estimated a year of treatment. Um, so we ended up doing chemo, and then they did lots of radiation. And in February, they told us that the tumor had spread, and it spread up um, into some lymph nodes in her lung. And um, at that time, they told us that that treatment wasn't working and um, that she probably wasn't going to live much longer. And uh, we decided to do some research, some experimental drugs and things like that. But um, in April, the day after Easter, she had a stroke, and on that Wednesday after that, um, the, there's too many clots in her brain, and 
her brain stopped functioning, and so we lost her April 27th. So yours happened a day. Yours happened a day after Easter, and yours happened a day before Easter, around the same time this past spring. And you know, for you, Ricky, I'd love for you to share more about um, in those darker times. You know, when you guys hoped and prayed for a miracle and for healing. What, tell us what your journey looked like in your faith and sometimes struggles. Um, I think I kind of think there's this flow of bad things that happen and good things that happen and ups and downs. And um, it was a lot of downs. There was a lot of bad news and bad news and bad news. And um, there's this one point where in April, her, her birthday was in April and we had the school had, her high school had made special arrangements so she could go to prom because she was only a sophomore. And so we had this weekend plan that she would go to prom and um, she would go to the Brown Palace for her birthday the next day. So we kind of had these plans and she had just been so sick and she actually had just had a treatment the Wednesday before and she was so sick after that. And I just um, was just mad that we just couldn't get a break and that it was bad news, bad news and no good things would happen. And I just remember being really angry, and um, Peter, I think, just spoke a week or two before about um, when Jesus says, ask anything in my name and it will be answered, and I just struggled with what that meant, and I said, how, how could asking for just a simple weekend of rest and um, a blessing be not asking it in God's name and Jesus' name, and um, that was really hard to deal with at that point. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I can, I can say that, that actually she had, did end up going to prom that weekend, and there's actually a picture of her from there. Um, so that was an answered prayer, but it took me to a, a really low point and a really um, about-to-break point. Um, and actually, we lost her two weeks later. So um, it was a huge blessing, but um, I still struggle with what that means. <laughs> I think it's hard to uh, go across that, but... Um, the other thing that I wanted to share about um, dark moments and um, is that since all of this has happened and I feel like God has always kept me in this protection, that that's maybe what it meant to be in communion with him or that you'd always be protected from pain and that's definitely not what he says. And um, I always felt that though and since then I've felt like that's gone, um, that things can happen and I'm exposed and kind of afraid, and I have to trust that God is good and that he'll prepare us. Let me ask you this too, Ricky, because obviously you just, you heard Charlene's story last night as well, but here's, here's a 70-year-old woman next to you that's had this miraculous healing, and then here's your 16-year-old sister that God took home. What does that bring up for you when you sit side by side with stories like that? Um... I just, it's further proof about how um, things aren't fair. I don't think God ever says that things are going to be fair. I don't think there's a system of if you're good, you're rewarded. If you're bad, you're punished always. Because um, I don't think we are punished for any reason. But I, I like to hear that she has a purpose, that this thing, that bad thing that happened, and you came out alive, and now you have a purpose. And um, not that I think that if Abby was still alive, she wouldn't have a purpose, but I know that... God has this big plan and that um, something about this tragedy happening and um, really has purpose. And mm -hmm. I've seen some of that in how um, tragedy brings 
love and community and togetherness more than anything else in, in such a way. And, you know, there were a thousand people at her funeral and um, I know many of them were touched and um, yeah. there's things like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ricky, too, for sharing. I want to share a couple of verses with you that um, kind of stuck out to me when I've been meeting with both of them. And, and uh, there's some to me, obvious questions that come out of hearing these stories side by side as well. But first, let me read these. The first is from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. And it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed, be, be revealed in our mortal body. To me, these are stories of that, crushed but not perplexed. And then again in Romans 8, it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, if you're like me, um, I sit here and listen to these stories side by side, and it raises the question, you know, God, why, why do you heal in one situation and not heal in another? And some of you may be able to directly relate to some of their stories. Maybe you've had a family member that's, that's died unexpectedly, or maybe you've had something traumatic like a gunshot or something. Last night at Sanctuary Foothills, we had a woman whose son was shot uh, by a, gunshot, a, a gun wound and lived through it. Um, but I bet if you, if you can't relate to their stories directly, you can pr probably relate to that theme of, God, why do you heal here? and not over here, over here. And are you really good? You know, some of you may be having things like, gosh, why did my marriage fall apart? And they seem to be able to work through their marriage and be going on just fine. Others may be thinking, you know, my elderly parent has struggled with Alzheimer's for years and years and just suffered. And the person next to you may have a, a mother or father that's 95 years old and mentally sharp and alert and doing just great. Um, some of you have been through sexual abuse and you maybe wonder, why do I have to suffer through this and, you know, and people around me don't go through that. Uh, some may be struggling with some addictions and go, gosh, so-and-so's got 30 years sobriety and I just seem to struggle and struggle and struggle. And you have that comparison that goes on. Uh, a personal one for me is this. Why, why do some of you have children and I don't? And I know I won't have my own children. And there are others here who want to have children and that may compare and have that struggle of, you know, God, what does that mean? Does that mean you love one more than another? Does that mean that you're good to them but not to me? And, you know, are you good? 
So many times we use our circumstances to then determine whether God is good or not, rather than seeing and believing and trusting God's goodness and having that as your filter to then determine what your circumstances mean. Um, I think there's probably one main reason why we judge God about His goodness or not in the situations and the stories that we're going through, and it's simply this. We don't have the end of the story. We don't have the end of the story. I believe that by Ricky sharing her story today, that she has just intensified the party that she's going to have in heaven one day when each of us will meet Abby and we'll be saying, you're the one, you're that girl we heard about, we saw your picture, I recognize you, and would intensify the party that we all have that will come later for Ricky that right now she's still having to work through and struggle with and all of that. Um, you know, for me, I have pieces of redemption, pieces of redemption, it's maybe not a full thing, but Phil's daughters, you know, I have stepdaughters in my life that there's been this open, open hole, if you will, um, in not having children that allow, has allowed me to embrace someone else's children that I love, and I can't look at him right now because he's crying, and I'll be crying. <laughs> anyway, um, that God, God does give us wounds that allow our hearts to open up to love and grace in ways we maybe don't expect or think would bring about. Um, I didn't have you share this last night, but Charlene, there's something I want to have you share uh, because I asked Ricky, you know, how do you feel sitting right next to this woman with this miraculous healing when your situation didn't, didn't happen that way? And Charlene, I want you to share what that brings up when you hear uh, Ricky's story. Ricky, I can definitely identify with you. In 1983, um, at that point, I had four sons, and he had wanted to go to Galveston, and um, um, so he could go in the ocean, because it was warm water, and we were bound determined we were going to take it. He was so sick. He had been uh, diagnosed with primary pulmonary hypertension, and what that did was the, lung, the veins in his lungs collapsed and his heart was trying to pump the blood through and so it couldn't so the bottom of the heart was pumping hard and he had a very swollen chest where the heart had just gotten so big and when we got to the motel in Hayes, Kansas we weren't there very long, and he really got bad. And um, he had told us before we got there, Mom, I don't want to go home. I just want to keep traveling. And um, he was standing with his, on his feet with his arms around his daddy, and um, all of a sudden his head shot up and he was in a trance. And I may mention to my husband, I said, he's seen Jesus. And he put his little hands over his heart and just slipped to the floor. And um, we were believing 
if God did take, you know, did let him die, he would resurrect him because there wasn't any reason for him not to. You know, Danny had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and um, he spoke in tongue. And he was seven years old. And so um, when the ambulance came and took us to the hospital, we prayed and prayed and prayed over him. And there was no response. And um, we went up to the chapel. The scripture tells us to give praise and thanksgiving no matter what the circumstances. So we went to the hospital chapel and we sang songs of praise and worship to the Lord. By doing this, the comforter came upon us. And that's the key. Follow the scripture and you will know the comforter. I know the comforter. And I know what he can do for you. But I, we had to leave my son in Hayes, Kansas, in the mortuary, um, because we couldn't bring him home with us. And they were going to drive him to Lakewood. So I, too, know that confusion. I was so confused. Couldn't understand why he wasn't resurrected and hurt, and um, asking God, believe me, it wasn't fair. <laughs> that, it just wasn't fair. There wasn't anything fair about this. And for a long time, you'd hear about little children that would really be hurt, and God healed them. And I would question him again. Okay, Lord, what's the deal? How come, how come them and not my son? Right. So you do know. I do know. know. You know, when, we, when I was interviewing these two women this week when, at their homes or out to coffee, I didn't know that part of the story. And so, and I had already planned on having Ricky share and not knowing that Charlene did very much identify with Ricky. And this is often what happens when we're in community in a small group or together with family or friends and sometimes you start sharing your story and you don't know how the stories get connected through the same kind of journey. So my prayer for our community is that we'd be a community to invite the stories, be a community to share the suffering, to allow the wounds to be seen so that we draw out the love and the compassion for one another and connect us the arms to the body and the legs and the hearts and the eyes and the ears, that we, we truly are his one body. Um, finally, uh, Ricky has a special song that was very meaningful to her uh, that relates to her sister, and then we're going to share this and we'll go into communion. But do you want to say a word about sure. that? Um, this is a song actually I heard after one of the earlier hospital visits on the radio, and it just it was exactly what we were going through and my sister was going through, and I shared it with her, and it brought her to tears, and um, shared it with my family, and we actually um, showed it at the funeral, but the words are, are exactly what 
she's experiencing. Um, it's called Before the Morning, and at one point, um, it talks about how all the pain and all that will fade, and the, like the weight of glory. I, I messed that up, but Abby's feeling so much more joy and experiencing so much more glory, and um, that's what comforts me the most is knowing that and that she has that ultimate healing and that the song really expresses a lot of that. Do you wonder why you have to feel the things that hurt you? There's a God who loves you Where is he now? And maybe There are things you can't see now All those things are happening To bring a better ending Someday, somehow You'll see You'll see Would you dare, would you dare To believe That you still have a reason to sing Cause the pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming so hold on you gotta wait for the light press on and just fight the good fight cause the pain that you've been feeling it's just the dark before the morning and my friend you know how this all ends And you know where you're going You just don't know how you'll get there So say a prayer and hold on Cause there's good for those who love God But life is not a snapshot It might take a little time But you'll see the bigger picture Would you dare, would you dare to believe That you still have a reason to sing Cause the pain that you've been feeling It can't compare to the joy that's coming So hold on, you gotta wait for the light Press on and just fight the good fight Cause the pain that you've been feeling Is just the dark before the morning Yeah, yeah Before the morning Yeah, yeah once you feel the weight of glory, all your pain will fade to memory. Once you feel the weight of glory, all your pain will fade to memory, memory, memory. to believe that you still have a reason to sing cause the pain that you've been feeling it can't compare to the joy that's coming would you dare would you dare to believe that you still have a reason to sing cause the pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming so come on you gotta wait for the light press on and just fight the good fight cause the pain that you've been feeling is just the hurt before the healing oh the pain that you've been feeling is just the dark
the morning Before the morning Yeah, yeah Before the morning I want us all to give a big thank you for both Ricky and Charlene for sharing with us today. That's great, thanks. You know, in some ways in my own life, um, I don't really like suffering. I mean, it's when I'm in it, I'm always wishing I'm out of it. Um, But the things that I have suffered in my own life, when I look back on it, I am so grateful of the things that Christ has grown in me. And suffering tends to cut away at the false part of who we are, the false self. It tends to cut away at our pride, our selfishness, our, our illusions about control in this life, um, our demands sometimes before God that we want to find life in places apart from Him. And it tends to cut all that away and bring us back to Jesus. This last verse I want to share with you is from 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the sting of death is what we feel right here in this world that sting of things dying in our life, the flesh dying, those things I mentioned dying, it hurts, it's really painful. But the victory is his resurrected life in us. And whether that be the life we experience now or in the life to come when we have a complete and whole celebration. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, Take heed, this is my body broken for you. And I think what Jesus was also saying is, will you suffer with me? Will you share in my sufferings and walk alongside my brokenness? Because if you do, you will, you will also share in his resurrected life. And he took the cup and he poured it. And it said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink, all of you. When you come to the table uh, this morning, I'd like for you to think about the things in your own life that you're suffering in. And I'd like you to bring those to the table and ask Jesus to suffer with you in those things. And you, be, and you are also sharing in his sufferings. And one day, you will experience redemption and healing and wholeness whether that be in this world or in the world to come. When you come forward, you can take a a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. The white cups are juice and the dark cups are wine and they are both the body and blood of Christ. (laughs) Amen, that's right. (laughs) Hey, so, um, so if you are at that Rockies game, 
and let's say, you know, they've got the game in the bag and they're winning. What do people do about the ninth inning early? They leave. <laughs> and some, sometimes we're like that in our Christian walk. We think, you know, we've got the game in the bag. I prayed the prayer. I'm a Christian. Life's working. Everything's going great. And you kind of check out of relationships, both with God and with other people. And then what do you do at the Rockies game when they're pretty much losing and they're pretty much going to get creamed and, you know, it's a long ways from being able to win. What are you doing about the early ninth inning? You leave. <laughs> and some of you have checked out of your walk because you feel like you're so far behind and you're struggling so badly and your heart is just so broken and suffering that you just want to check out. So my encouragement today is to stay in the game <laughs> and suffer with, with each other so that you can also celebrate with each other. And what that looks like, well, I think it looks like community groups that you're going to keep hearing more about. As you, if you've been here a while, you know we're making the shift from house church into community groups, and that might be as simple as a dinner for eight, or it might be an ongoing group that kind of does life together. But we need each other. We are the body. The arm needs the leg, and the leg needs the eyes, and the eyes need the ears. But we need to come together as a body that we suffer together so that we can have one massive party together, whether that be now or in the life to come. So go and have a wonderful day and uh, blessings to you.